Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. You know, right, ha- right now in, in my house, uh, I am surrounded by women. Uh, so normally, you know, that's okay, that's fine. I'm counting down the days and the hours till Riley comes home. Uh, six weeks, five days, 12 hours, and probably 30 seconds, who knows. But he'll be coming home anytime soon, and I'm looking forward to that. One of the main reasons I'm looking forward to that, besides having my son home again, uh, is the fact that I like to go to the movies. I I don't know if you're movie-going type people, but for me, I like to go to the movies, and I like the big screen experience. Uh, In our house, it just doesn't do it you know we haven't got the Dolby surround sound uh, when you know when you're sitting in the cinema and they've got the bird that flies around the room and you can hear them going all the way doesn't work like that in our house our cat is running around the room and it's probably similar to that bird but it's uh, sorry our cat did I say a cat we haven't we don't have a cat we have a dog (laughs) it's like a cat (laughs) we hate our dog we have two dogs one we hate one we love but it's like a Cain and Abel job. Hopefully with enough prayer, one will kill the other and then <laughs> had nothing to do with us. They're sorting out their problems. But I like to go to the movies. And with all these girls in the house, uh, I don't oftentimes get to watch the sort of movies that I would like to watch. They want to watch, you know, all these, all these movies that are kind of set back in uh, old England and like... You know, just stuff that's just like different period pieces that are on and that sort of thing. And they like all of that sort of thing. They like these romantic comedy type movies. And yeah, I can suffer through some of those. And and truth be known, I've probably shed a tear in a couple of those every now and again. Uh, But the sort of movies that I like and the sort of movies that if I'm going to have to pay $20 to go and see a movie, the sort of movie I want to see is I want to see aliens infiltrating our planet, destroying everything. I want to see them you know, infiltrating government, and I want to see buildings collapsing. I want to see natural disasters. I want to see tidal waves, earthquakes, twisters. I want to see all that sort of stuff. I want to see just mayhem, chaos on the big screen in surround sound. That, that's what I want to see when I go to the movies and pay my 20 bucks. And I also want to see very attractive people doing very super things on the TV. Extraordinary feats. I love the superhero movies. I love those. I don't go and see these movies because I'm going to get a whole lot out of it to make me a better person, all right? So please don't judge me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to it to walk out of that going, wow, I can really see how my life, it can be so much better now as a result. And my relationships are deepened with people and I'm inspired by true life stories. You know, that, that's, that's great for you, but I don't come out of the movies feeling that. And uh, I come to church for that. You know, amen? I hope we all come to church for that sort of thing, to leave this place inspired and encouraged with what God wants to do in our lives. But there is this one movie, and it's kind of undone me just a little bit. And I went to see it pretty much because my daughter wanted to see this movie, and I kind of went just to see, okay, is it really age appropriate for her to go and see? So Kath and I went to go and see this movie, and, and please, like I said, don't judge me. It was called Wonder Woman, all right? Some of you are going, yeah, yeah, you like the movie, all right. But yeah, don't judge me. But I I must confess that as I was watching this movie, I don't know what it was, but something just started stirring inside of me. I even started shedding a tear in one spot. 
And I just got so much out of as I was watching that thing there. I haven't only seen it once or twice. I've actually seen it three times in the last couple of weeks. Like I said, don't judge me, please. Don't judge me. But there was something very inspirational about watching what I was seeing on the screen. It's never happened to me before when I've seen a superhero movie. And I've seen lots, I've pretty much seen pretty much nearly all of them. And I've never been so inspired after I saw this thing. There were people that were at the first service after I heard that are currently now at the cinema watching Wonder Woman. So if you're looking around, if there's an empty seat next to you, they were here, but they've gone to see the cinemas to uh, see it for themselves. But uh, there was this one particular scene, I'm not going to tell too much because I don't want to give it away for those of you who haven't seen it. Uh, but there's one particular scene and Wonder Woman is in the trenches, it's World War I, and uh, she's uh, behind enemy lines, she's in the trenches and uh, they were probably about 200 metres outside of this town called Veld. And as she's there and the, the Western forces are, are all in the trenches, they're trying to uh, take back this city which the Germans were occupying and uh, they just couldn't get across this one patch of ground that was called No Man's Land. And uh, if the minute you just kind of lifted your hand up over the trench or got up over the ladder and up started, the snipers would take you out. And if it wasn't the snipers that took you out, it was, there was cannon fire going on, there was also grenades happening, there was all this sort of stuff that was going on. And as Wonder Woman was walking through the trenches, uh, there was this woman with a baby and the woman was there and she's just begging and pleading for soldiers as they're walking by her to actually do something to save her family that are still back in the township of Veld. And no one seems to be listening to her, probably because she's speaking in another language, but Wonder Woman can speak all sorts of languages. So she understood what this woman was saying and she's listening to the plight that this woman is describing of, of what life is like back for women and children back in the township and they're being enslaved and everything else was going on. And, and this sense of injustice starts to rise up inside Wonder Woman's life and she pretty much is looking around going, who's going to do something about this? We've got to do something. We've got to rescue these people. And the soldiers are kind of saying, no, it's not our problem right now. We can't do anything. We're, we're stuck here. We've been stuck here in this place for the last few months. We haven't been out. It's all hopeless. Nothing can happen. So Wonder Woman there basically says, well, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. So she lets down her hair, she picks up her sword, she picks up her shield, she puts on her tiara, and she starts climbing up the ladder, and everybody's looking around, all these trained soldiers are looking at her like, what is she doing? What is going on with this woman? And they, they had no idea what was just about to happen, but she's climbing up over this ladder, and then in slow motion, as only Hollywood can do, all these bullets start coming towards her and she's just bouncing them off and, and she's doing her thing up there but everything inside of me was like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm starting to shed tears and then I'm going, yeah, go for it. But as she started to go out there, she got into the town and she was able to liberate this whole town of these people that had been oppressed and enslaved. And I thought that was so inspiring. The story that I want to share with you today is from the Bible. But as I was reading through this story, it's about a woman. And this woman to me is like the Wonder Woman of the New Testament. She's, she does exactly what Wonder Woman does in this situation. She stands up for her daughter who's being oppressed by the devil. And she's, an injustice starts to rise up inside of her where she steps out and does something so totally amazing 
that's just so totally inspiring that I hope today as whatever you've come into this place with, that you can just walk out of that today just feeling free, victorious, feeling like, wow, God, you are for me. You are with me in everything that I go through and everything that I do. So can we do this story together? It's in Matthew chapter 15, and I'm just going to start from verse 21. Uh, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came uh, who came from that region and she cried out to him saying have mercy on me O Lord son of David my daughter is severely demon possessed but he answered her not a word and his disciples came and urged him saying send her away for she cries after us but he answered and said I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel then she came and she worshipped him saying Lord help me But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her and said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. What an amazing story. What an incredible story that is. You know, I, I think we can all agree when, obviously the, the hero of this story is a woman, but I think we could all agree if we look back over history, women haven't been treated well during history. I'm not trying to make any sort of political statement or social judgment or anything like that. It's just a fact. If you look back through our history, if you look back through world history, uh, women have had their feet bound, they've had no vote, there was a time and a season where women weren't even allowed to be educated in a school. Uh, Everything was male-centric, male-generated. Everything revolved around the male. The women were like second-rate citizens or second-class citizens. They had their work to do and their job to do, and that was it. They had no rights within the community or within society to be able to step out and do what what we have today uh, that women can, can go and do. But... Even, even saying that, if I, you know, I'd be great to be able to stay up here, and that was it. You know, women are no longer sold in slavery. Women are no longer treated like property. I'd love to be able to say that, but you and I both know. We both see the news. We know what's happening around our world today. That's not the case in today's world, in today's society. There are still places in the world where women are sold into slavery, where there are those things that are happening, those great injustices that are going on in the world today. Even in our own nation, you know, we've come a long way and and we've come, you know, we've done some amazing things, but even in our own nation, women will be able to tell you to say there are some places and there are some times we don't feel like, we, we feel like we have to push to, just to get what men have so easily. We feel like there are some boardrooms in the world that in Australia that we can't operate and we can't voice, even though we may be more educated and even though we may be, uh, have more experience, we feel like because we're a woman, we're looked down on. Even in our own nation, these things take place. And what the writer here is trying to to tell us is that we don't know a lot about this woman. He doesn't really give us her history as such. We don't even know what her name is. But the way he starts off the story in verse 22, he says, And behold, a woman. He wants us to know she's a woman. He wants us to know that. You know, history hasn't treated women kindly, but also religion hasn't treated women kindly. There There are churches where women cannot speak. 
There are whole denominations where women are not allowed to do what I'm doing right now and get up here and, and, and speak or even what Wendy did before and get up here and, and be able to host. The, women don't have any right on the platform. There are some places where women sit on one side of the room and men sit on another side of the room. There are those places that do that. Religion hasn't been kind to women either. And what this writer is saying is that this person is a woman. Already she's being judged by her gender. And it says that, you know, she came, she wasn't just a woman. That's strike one, she was a woman. But strike two, she wasn't just any woman. She was a woman that came from Canaan. And straight away, not only would she have been looked down on in that day and that age because she was a woman, but now she's going to be looked down on even more because she's a Canaanite. Canaanites were idolatrous. Canaanites lived uh, um, debaucherous lives and, and, and they were looked down on by Jewish people because they weren't considered to be pure. They had a history. They didn't do what, what we did. They didn't live their life like we did. They had a different set of rules that they lived their lives by than what we had. And, and they weren't as clean. They weren't as pure. They worshipped foreign gods. They did all sorts of stuff. So straight away, this woman, as she's trying to get to Jesus, she has to walk through a room of men that are already looking down on her because she's a woman. You could feel the animosity in the room and the resistance in the room and the, and the whispers that were going on. Is Why is she here? Why is that woman here? Somebody get rid of that woman. Why is she even in this room? And all those whispers as she was walking through the room, just trying to get to Jesus. As she was getting into that, as she was getting closer and the, and the animosity and the, and the hatred that was there, these weren't just even just normal men that were there. These were religious men. Even some of Jesus' very own disciples, some of Jesus' closest friends were pretty much saying, get this woman out of here. She has no right to be here at all. Why is this woman even here? Why is this woman even contemplating that she thinks she has the right to be able to come to Jesus with any request at all? Who does this woman think that she is that she would come and do this? And she had to push past all of that just to come to Jesus. She had to push past all the animosity, all the hatred, all the everything that was in the room just so that she can get to Jesus. And you see, this... Uh, story tells us one other thing about this woman. You know, she wouldn't, if it was just, if it was for any other reason, she probably would have just packed up and gone home. But you see, this woman is also a mum. She's also a mother. And right now at that stage in her life, her daughter was sitting at home, severely depressed or severely uh, possessed by a devil. So something rose up inside of her. Injustice rose up inside of her that she just said, nothing is going to stop me from getting to Jesus because he is the one who has the answers to the current problem that I have in my life right now. He's the only one that can solve this problem. He's the only one who can set my daughter free. So she pushes past all the hatred. She pushes past all the animosity. She pushes past every whisper, every bit of talk. She pushes past all those things just so she can get to Jesus with her request. She's a mum. Never underestimate the power of a mum when it comes to her kid. Never underestimate the power of a mum. You know, mums do amazing things. If it was just for her, she probably would have said, okay, I can put up with that. It's just me. 
You know, I can put up with all those words that you're speaking. It's, you know, that's fine. But when you go to touch her child, look out. She becomes a completely different woman. If you go and touch a, a, a child of a mother, I tell you what, she comes looking for you. You know, Kathy may look all, you know, beautiful and softly spoken and sing so nice up here. But if you touch her kids, I tell you what, she'll turn into Sigourney Weaver of Aliens. <laughs> she will come for you. I tell you, I have seen this transformation take place in my, wife's, uh, in my wife's life where we've just been sitting there and somebody has said something or done something to one of her kids. This injustice rises up inside of her and I'm just going, thank you, God, I'm not that person right now. <laughs> but even my own mum, I remember times in my own life where, where things had happened to me and, and my mum literally would she could run them over with a Mack truck. I tell you what, she had her driver's license, her truck driver's license. I wouldn't want to be the guy that crossed my mum's uh, path because she just, I don't know what, maybe something that God has wired into mums. But there's this sense of injustice that just rises up. And she wasn't going to let anything stop her from getting to, to Jesus. And so she pushes past everything. I don't know what the disciples were thinking that day. You know, maybe it was led by Peter. I don't know. He seems to be the guy that always puts his foot in it and says the wrong thing. But they were trying to prevent a mother from getting to Jesus because she had a problem with her daughter. Don't be that person. I wouldn't want to be that person. And she, these disciples were doing that but nothing was gonna stop her. So finally she gets to Jesus and she's standing in front of Jesus. She's battled all of this stuff to get there and now she, here she is right in front of Jesus, right in front of the answer to her situation. And she pours out her heart to Jesus and she says, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come and heal my daughter. There's nothing doctors can do for her. There's nothing men can do for her. Even your religious people that are here, nothing, no, nothing is helping. Nothing, no one is, she is severely oppressed by a devil. Jesus, I need you. You have the answers. Jesus, I need you to come and, and to heal her and to restore her. She pours out her heart to Jesus after such a, such a, a strong battle, to even just to get there. And look what Jesus does. Verse 23. He answered her not a word. So here's a woman that's just poured out her heart to Jesus, that's in a hopeless situation. She's doing what we say every week in church, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. He has all the answers. He can help you. He can heal you. He can restore you. She's doing exactly. She's taking our advice, church, and she's going to Jesus, and she stands in front of Jesus. She pours out her heart, and he stays silent. If it were me in that situation, I wonder if I'd get a little bit angry right there. If it were me in that situation, I wonder if I'd just walk off and think, if that's what church is all like, if that's what, if that's what it means to be a Christian, Jesus, I'm in need here and you're not even, it's like you don't even care what's going through. I, I do relate to this woman, you know. She had, to, she had to battle a whole lot of stuff just to be able to stand in the presence of Jesus. You know, because she was a Canaanite woman, she was considered impure. I know in my life there's stuff that I've done that, you know, before God I'd be saying, God, I'm so ashamed of some of the things that I have done in my life. And, you know, every time then you'd find yourself in a situation, you hear those whispers from the enemy saying, what right do you have to actually come and stand before God? You know, we went through a financial situation just uh, in our home a few years ago and, and we were believing God just to pay some bills. 
And for us, it seemed like a hopeless situation. The bills kept coming in. We were living in a rented house at the time and, and all these bills were piling up and, and it just like, we'd go, I don't know how this is gonna happen. I don't know how we're gonna pay for all these bills. God, I don't even know how we're gonna put food on the table. God, I don't know how any of this is gonna happen at all. And we were starting to get desperate. So we came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm in a desperate situation here. I need your help in this situation. And you know what the devil does when we're like that? He'll come and start doing exactly what those whispers were in that Canaanite's life. And he'll start whispering into your ear saying, yeah, but look at all the things that you've done wrong in your life. Why should Jesus even answer you right now? What right do you have to come and stand in the presence of Jesus? Look at all the impure stuff that you used to do in your life. And he'd bring up every sin and the condemnation would be so thick in the room. Say, what right do you have to actually come and ask Jesus anything? But you know what made it really, really worse? Was that when you're standing there and Jesus is silent. It's like there's no answer coming from heaven at all. And you're standing there and and the devil grabs hold of that. And even more so now, what he does, he said, see, it's because of all those things that you did. It's because of you've done that and you've done that. And that's why Jesus isn't answering your prayer right now. It's because of all the things that you've done wrong in your life. That's why Jesus isn't answering your prayer. Because of all the sin that you've committed. So you've done it wrong and now your family is gonna suffer as a result of your sin. And that's the guilt and the condemnation that He pours down on us. But you know what, Lifehouse? We have such good news today. We have such good news today. When we come to Jesus in Ephesians, it tells us that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says that when I come to Jesus, that I'm made a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. He calls me clean. He calls me pure. He sets me apart. All the things that that have been, uh, yeah, come on. All the things that the enemy would whisper in my ear are just lies, are just lies. Jesus says all those things to us because He believes in us. He has a plan for us. He has a purpose for our lives. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. There is no sin so great that Jesus will turn His back on you because of that sin. There's no sin so great that Jesus will turn his back on you because of that sin. It said, for God so loved the world that he sent his son, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. If Jesus is silent, it's not because of something that you've done wrong. I honestly believe if Jesus is silent, perhaps he's just setting you up for your Wonder Woman moment. If Jesus is silent, perhaps He's just setting you up for that Wonder Woman moment, for that moment of victory where you can pull out your sword, pull out your, uh, your shield, put on your tiara and get out there and start doing battle with the enemy because of what He's robbing and stealing from our lives. It's He's setting us up for that Wonder Woman moment. You know, I don't think that we have to get angry when Jesus is silent. I don't think we have to think that there's anything wrong with us when Jesus is silent. We just have to know that God, you've got it all in your plans and all in your hand. And God, you have a purpose. And God, I know that you're setting things up right now so that I could have that moment where I can grow and become victorious in everything. And she does something that to me is just so amazing. This woman does something, even despite all of those difficulties, 
despite all the obstacles she had to face, and then finally standing in front of Jesus and he says nothing. She does something amazing. The Bible says she starts to worship him. Even before he's done anything, even before he's said anything, she starts to lift up her hands. She starts to close her eyes. She starts to sing, Jesus, what a beautiful name you have. What a beautiful name, Jesus. Jesus, there's no one like you. Jesus, what a beautiful name you have. I wonder how many of us would do the same. I wonder how many of us would be in that situation where we could just close our eyes and think, Lord, you haven't answered my prayer. It doesn't even look like you're listening to me. God, there's nothing changing in my world right now. But Jesus, what a beautiful name you have. What a beautiful name you have, Jesus. What a powerful name you have, Jesus. Even though I haven't seen you work and do anything powerful on my behalf, Jesus, what a powerful name you have. Jesus, what a powerful, beautiful, wonderful name you have. I wonder how many of us would do that same thing in that same situation. That was her Wonder Woman moment. That was the moment she said, I'm not going to let what other people think try to persuade me. There's something that's not right here. And rather than shirk away or shrink away into the trenches, she's going to start to climb up over the top of that ladder with a sword in one hand and a shield in the other and face the enemy head on simply with nothing but praise in her lips to the Almighty God. I wonder how many of us would do that same thing in that same situation, that we could praise God even when it seems like heaven isn't listening to us. I tell you what, there's power in that. There is so much power in that to be able to start to sing praises to God. I'm not just talking about the praise that we do here. I love our young people and I love what they do here and I love how they dance and they they praise God and, and, and I love that. It's not an age thing, you realize that. It's something that happens on the inside of us where our spirits start to think and look around and start to become aware of the fact that, hey, God, what's happening in my life right now? I need you to come and intercede. Bible tells me that God inhabits the praises of His people. So when you start dancing and when you start praising and when you start singing and when you lift up your hands, even if you haven't had an answer from God, you're simply saying, God, come and be with me so that we can face this together. Together. That's what happens in those situations. I love what she did. I tell you what, she's a wonder woman. And as she's there now and she's in this place and, and she's done what Psalm says, she's entered his courts with thanksgiving in her heart. She's entered his gates with praise. She's blessed his name. She's done all the things that Psalms tells us that we should do. And now as she's there, her praise has positioned her right now so that she can now start to hear the words of Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus standing there? He wasn't going to say anything to her, but her praise almost drew it out of him. Her praise just, I can't just stand there while while she's worshipping me. I can't say nothing. I can't do nothing. I can't just be silent. This girl is worshipping me when she shouldn't be. This girl is worshipping me when there's no reason to worship me. This girl is giving me her heart when really everything around her tells her to be silent. Jesus said, I can't be silent. So he opens his mouth and he speaks to her and he gives her a word. And this is the word that Jesus said to her. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Jesus, I was expecting you'd tell me what my life was gonna be like. 
Jesus, I, I was thinking that you were going to give me this great prophetic word for my life, the, how you've got a plan and a purpose for me and everything's going to be great. Jesus, I thought you, at least Jesus, you, you would give me a hug and tell me, but instead you call me a little dog. And that was Jesus' word after she had worshipped Him to her life. Now, theologically, what Jesus is saying to her, quite simply, is He's not literally calling her a dog. He's saying, hey, I didn't come for your people right now. I came for the children of Israel. That's my purpose. That's why God sent me right now. You're asking something out of season. What you're wanting me to do right now is I shouldn't really be doing for you right now because I came for the lost children of Israel right now. You're asking me something out of season. It's not really, you know, your time right now. It's not your time right now. She was asking out of season. He said, it's not appropriate to give the children's bread to the dogs. But watch what she says back to Jesus. She said, Jesus, go ahead. Give that loaf of bread to your kids. Give it, give it all to them, Jesus. All I want is just one crumb. I just want a crumb. Jesus, give him the whole loaf. Give him everything, Jesus. That's what you came for. Give him everything. I just want one crumb. I just want one crumb. One crumb is all I need, Jesus. One crumb has enough power in it to chase the devil out of my house. One crumb has enough power in it to take cancer out of my body. One power, one crumb has enough power in it to bring restoration to my relationship. Jesus, just one crumb has the power in it, Lord Jesus, to bring provision for my home. One crumb, Jesus, that's all I need is just one crumb. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Sometimes we want a whole sentence. God just wants to give us one word. Sometimes we want a whole paragraph. We want a whole book written. God, just tell us the whole story from A to Z. God, just tell us everything. God's saying, I could do that. But here, I'm just going to give you one word. One word. One word. And they, she received that, that one word. All it takes is one crumb. One crumb can open doors. One crumb can bring opportunity into your life. One crumb can do all those things that you've been believing for. All it takes is that one crumb. You know, we, we took our financial situation to God and, and we got the kids together and we got all our bills and we put them on the coffee table and we cranked up some music. We threw open the windows and we danced and sang around our coffee table where all our bills were. We're trying to teach our kids that even when you're finding yourself in difficult times, let's, it's not man that's going to provide, it's God who's going to provide. And we wanted our kids to see that they're going to be part of a victory celebration. And so we just started to worship God, not for what He had done for us, because we were still had debts. Uh, we were still standing in a rented house. Still, we were still not getting the things that, that we had believed for and desired for for such a long time. And, but we were in a situation where none of that we could make possible. And so we just believed God, we danced, we praised around those bills. This is what I was thinking would take place after we did that. There'd be a, 
a knock on the door. Someone would come to our door and they'd say, look, I was just driving past your house and I just really, I don't know why this is, I just really felt that, that, you know, that I had to come in here and give you this check for the exact amount of money that we were believing God for. That's what I hoped was going to happen. In my head, I was thinking, I went to the letterbox every day for the next week just to check to see that maybe they left it in the letterbox. Maybe they were too scared to come to the front door to drop off the check. Maybe it's in the letterbox there waiting for us. Maybe someone's, I checked under every stone in our front yard because I thought maybe they put some cash under the front stone, under the stone. I'm thinking supernaturally somehow this is going to occur, that God's going to speak to someone in our church maybe, and they were just going to transfer some money to our account. I thought that's how it was going to happen. But you know what? We got to the end of the month. And I was just going through all our accounts and our books and everything. And I got to the end of the month and everything balanced. I have no idea how that happened. Everything just balanced. Every bill was paid. Everything was done. I, no one gave us any extra money, but everything balanced. And I look at that and I think, wow, I don't know how you did that, Lord God. But wow, all I had from Him when we did that worship time, when we had that praise time, the only thing I received from Jesus at that time was just one word, one promise that I got from His Word. It said, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory through Christ Jesus. I just said, thank you, God, if that's the little bit, if that's the crumb that you're going to give me, then God, I take that and I receive that. You know, and it wasn't only just the bills being paid, Within two months' time from that day, we were standing in our own home. I have no idea how that even happened because we didn't have enough money for a deposit. That's the thing we were struggling with. We were trying to save and save. And it was like, God, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to give my wife a home. God, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that. And yet there we were standing with the key in our hand. I tried to carry it over the threshold. I think I whacked her door, head on the door. Uh, I was just like, God, you're so good to us but I can't even tell you how that happened. I can't show you a financial plan. I can't show you anything to say, look, this is how, well, we did this, we did this, and we did this. I have no idea. God has just been good. God is so good. All it takes is just one crumb, just one crumb. You know, what this lady realized was something very simple. If you were to take, uh, I did some cooking yesterday with Zion and we were in the kitchen there making I really don't know what we were making, but we were trying, we were trying to make biscuits, I think. And, and the last time we made it, they turned out rock hard. You'll crack your teeth on them. They were terrible. But we we're trying a bit better this time, and we we're mixing up all these ingredients and everything. If I was to make a cake, and, and I was to have the cake here, and if all I did is just take one little tiny crumb off that cake, and I sent that cake, then that crumb, off to a chemist, and got the chemist to analyze the crumb, the chemist would be able to tell me all the ingredients that I used in that cake simply because he was able to analyze the, cake, the crumb because whatever is in the cake is in the crumb. Whatever is in the cake is in the crumb. If there's healing in the cake, there's healing in the crumb. If there's deliverance in the cake, 
then there's deliverance in the crumb. If there's salvation in the cake, if there's prosperity and provision in the cake, then all those things are found in the crumb. Everyone else around you might look like they've got got a bigger piece than me. God, they've got all this bread they're eating and they're walking in abundance. All I have is a crumb. But the message of God for you today is that's all you need is the crumb. Because with that crumb, God can do whatever miracle that you need in your life to see you through. Come on, that's something you should give God praise for all you need is a crumb according to the word of God all we need is faith the size of a mustard seed and God can move mountains with that all you need is a crumb don't be looking to your left and to your right and thinking it's okay for that one look what they've got they got a better head start in life than what I did they haven't done some of the things that I've done now they're still, they're, they're, of course they're blessed. Of course they can do all these things, God, because they've got all that stuff. No, no, no. God's given you a crumb. Whatever you need. Maybe some of you today are believing God for a house. Don't look around and get discouraged. Thank God for the crumb that He's placed in your hand. Praise Him. Worship Him. Even if it feels like heaven is silent, that you can lift up your hands and be able to praise God. If you're believing God for a miracle in your body, for healing to take place, just praise Him and worship Him. Not because of everything else, but simply because of who He is. We sing here that He is a good, good Father. That's who He is. All we need is a crumb. And I love this right at the very end, maybe as the singers, if you guys can come as well. Then Jesus answered to her and he said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Her daughter was healed that hour. Do you remember those places? Uh, This is going back a little ways now, so I'm showing my age a little bit. But you remember those places when, you know, when you used to take photos and you used to actually have to use film? And you get your film, your Kodak film at the end there and it roll back up and you'd have to take the little cartridge thing into the, the Photoshop and, uh, and then they would develop it for you. Then these shops started to spring up everywhere that said, if you give us your negatives, we'll have it back to you in an hour. You'll have your photos back in an hour. Do you remember those places? You know, this woman came to Jesus with all her negatives and in an hour she got home and her daughter was healed. What is there in your life right now that maybe in an hour, what negative is happening in your life right now that maybe in an hour after praising Jesus when everything was silent, that would shift and would change and that you would start to be able to see the victory and see that thing broken over not only your life, but over your family's life. What is there in your life right now that just needs that miraculous touch from God where He can change that whole situation around? All it takes is just one crumb. Amen. Amen. Hi, I'm Richard Gabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now, and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you. that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. 
You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.